Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Garrett Crotty, 16 years of Korean Volunteer Fire Service experience, an engineer on Engine 3 with the Casper Fire Department in Wyoming, one of the three founding members of the High Plains Fire Conference cadre. Garrett is all about going out and training with your crew and members to get better at this profession. With that, I present Mr. Garrett Crotty. All right, so my name is Garrett Crotty. Uh, I joined the fire service in 2007 and kind of how I got into the whole deal was um, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do for a career. I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go. Uh, the town that I grew up in, my dad volunteered there for a while and uh, we were just having a conversation one day and I was kind of trying to explain that. I think at the time I was thinking like, maybe I wanted to go be a mechanic and he's like, yeah, you don't want to be a mechanic. He's like, <laughs> then you just have to like work on stuff all the time. He's like, that's really not what you want to do. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I want to do. And, and uh, he had taken some tests in the area uh, at a local department, trying to work towards uh, some career stuff. And at that time it was a few jobs, a lot of applications. It just didn't end up panning out. And uh, he asked me, he's like, you ever, you ever thought about being a fireman? And I was like, well, kind of, you know, like, uh, said I was big into it as a kid and stuff like that. And uh, so what ended up actually pushing it over the edge for me was um, there was a, I was going into my senior year of high school and uh, I signed up for a class where you had to do an internship and it was a semester long deal. Uh, my dad's buddy was a uh, officer in a local department and uh, he's like, Hey, he's like, reach out to this guy and see if, uh, see if you can go ride out there, or work on an internship with them. So at the time, if I remember right, they didn't actually have like a formal internship, but they were like, yeah, we can do some ride time with you and uh, and some stuff like that. And we can turn it into it. So I met with the uh, teacher day one. I'm like, hey, this isn't a formal internship, but this is kind of how we can make it work. And kind of what it came down to was you had to spend so much time during the class. So the, if I remember what the class was like an hour and a half or two hours. And so instead of going to school, you would go to that. And uh, what they ended up working out with me on the whole thing with it was, is however many hours I ended up being, I just had to do that many hours of ride time. So I just went out and did 12 hour shifts. And uh, from there, it was like uh, first shift, you know, riding the tailboard of an engine, pretty busy engine where these guys are at. Uh, they did a lot of med runs and stuff, but uh, day one, I was pretty hooked. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. little funny story for it. He, uh, we're talking on the phone one day before I'm getting ready to go down and ride. And he goes, uh, Hey, I think we might try and get you on the ambulance tomorrow so you can get like the medical side of things. And I said, if you put me on the ambulance tomorrow, I'm going to call in sick to my internship. <laughs> he's, he's like, you can't call in sick. It's an internship. So <laughs> that's kind of how it ended up working out. So I, I, I spent my senior year doing that. And then later in my senior year is when I, uh, I turned 18 and where I was living at the time going to high school, you had to be 18 to volunteer for the local department. Uh, so it was like, I don't know, maybe like 10, 12 days after I turned 18, they did, uh, like a round of interviews to bring people on. And, uh, I was brought on as a volunteer there. And then I just kind of continued to, you know, progress through it and I'm going to college. And it was just something that once I kind of got a taste of it through that internship, it, I really realized like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And this is the uh, career path I want to go down. And then just kind of continued from there. And uh, another little interesting story for us. Uh, 
I remember when I was volunteering, we had the pager system. So you'd be, you know, at home, nobody's mm -hmm. at the station. Mm -hmm. uh, the pager goes off. It's like early in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, report of a structure fire. And I was new enough there that I didn't have like all of the base level training to do anything like interior on fires. And uh, this is kind of tying it all back into like the conversation with my dad. But I remember driving to the station going to them. And uh, I remember calling my dad. And he thought I was in trouble, I think, because it was like, like I said, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I said, I go, hey, dad, I'm going to my first fire ever. And he goes, all right, be safe and have fun. I said, all right, sounds good. I said, look out your back window. I'm pretty sure it's the neighbor's house. And it was across the alley and one street down. So kind of cool thing, like the uh, very first structure fire I ever went to, my dad was across the street watching the whole deal. Okay. And uh, we, didn't get, I didn't, we didn't really do a whole lot. You know, it was an exterior fire tried to work its way to the interior, but like being a new guy, they were like, Hey, like, uh, stand there and make sure nobody stands on this power line. Oh, okay. That sounds like a deal. <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that's kind of how I got into it just through the internship. Uh, it was a high school program and then just progressed from there. Started volunteering, uh, went to where I'm at now. Uh, I went to Casper college for a, a two year degree out there. And then I ended up working slash, you know, volunteering, however you want to look at it. Uh, for a volunteer department out here during the school year and just continued to progress and started taking tests and here we are today. Okay. And um, you're with Casper Fire Department on Engine 3 as the engineer. Uh, but for those yeah. that don't know, can you tell us the size of the department, how many personnel you guys have? Yeah, so five firehouses, uh, an engine out of every firehouse, the truck rescue out of one station, the battalion chief out of the same station. And then the majority of the other firehouses in the city kind of have a specialty out of them. Okay. Uh, the USAR trailer is at our station. It's not really considered a specialty, uh, but our minimum staffing is 18. Um, we have 66 line personnel and basically work a 4896. And I'd have to double check the numbers. We're a little over uh, like 8,000 runs a year, which is kind of uh, ourselves and engine one were the two busier engines of the five. And then uh, the other two engines, uh, they're about like 1,200 runs a piece a year. Okay. And what's your minimum staffing on each? Three. So three on every engine. And we're at minimum staffing for 18 for the day. There's obviously one battalion chief. Now we have a the truck company and the rescue company are cross staff. So if it's a call that the truck needs to go to, uh, the guys will get on the truck and take it. If it's a call that the rescue needs to go to, the rescue guys will get on and go. Okay. And uh, and then the other one kind of goes out of service. But uh, that is something uh, I think it'd be really cool. You know, in my career, I got some time left here. Uh, it's something we're working towards of getting that to a minimum manning of 20. And if that's the case, then the truck would have two on them at minimum and the rescue would have two on it at minimum. And we would increase our overall minimum staffing by two per shift. Okay. Uh, and when you say rescue, because I like to life rock, because it means different terms any, anywhere you go. Is that a heavy rescue truck or an ambulance? It's not an ambulance. I'd call it more of like a medium rescue. Like it's not like a heavy, like walk-in, like you'd see like in a big city, uh, but it goes to uh, all critical medical calls, water rescues, accident with injuries, you know, rope rescue, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's not an ambulance. The ambulance is it's independent, independent system here. Okay. All right. Um, so for those that don't know, you are one of three members uh, of the cadre group, the High Plains Conference. Um, so I'm kind of doing this a little early. So this is what I call like a shameless plug. So go ahead and talk <laughs> about, promote, 
do what you got to do, but tell people how that, how, how that whole mindset of, Hey, I'm going to start a cadre group and we're, we're going to put on a conference. Like how did that happen? Yeah. So the idea behind it was, is we were trying to find a way to promote training locally. Um, and we, at the time, like when the whole thing originally started, like COVID was a big deal. Um, that was when things had kind of come out where, you know, you could pay $5 and, you know, a guest speaker was doing a one hour seminar or some kind of deal like that. Everything was online training. So the initial idea that uh, had come about was we were trying to find a way to um, get local people more national level training. So that was the first idea was like, Hey, let's just, uh, we'll find a local brewery. We'll get together like one day out of the month or one day every other month. And we'll go and we'll see if somebody wants to do like a one and a half or a two hour zoom call. And uh, we'll just kind of do like a local training. We'll put it on a projector and kind of go from there. And it's not that it didn't really like take off. It was just a matter of like kind of getting up and running. And then uh, more conversations started happening uh, between the three of us. And it was like, hey, let's just let's do a fire conference. Let's see if we can pull this whole thing off. And uh, kind of like the whole paper napkin, got an idea. Let's see if we can put it together. So we did our first conference in 2021. Uh, that conference I don't know, probably like 120 people at the whole thing. Okay. We've just kind of continued to progress, grow a little bit more. The idea behind it is, is we're trying to provide three to four hot classes every year that we can kind of focus on those. We don't want to get a whole lot bigger than that. We don't really have the facilities and the infrastructure to get a lot bigger than that. But uh, the High Plains Conference happens every year in May. Uh, it's usually the second weekend, but Mother's Day's kind of made its way up that direction. So we're looking at something a little bit different for this year, but it'll happen in May again. It's a one-day lecture, two days of hot. Uh, sometimes there's a hot class that'll spill over into Saturday or like a morning portion of it. It'll be uh, a lecture from there. But yeah, the idea behind it with it was is the group of us that started it, Adam Mayers, Micah Rush, and myself. Uh, Micah teaches around the world in the rope rescue world side of things. He's oh, uh, okay. matter of fact, his training group, Peak Rescue, they just took first place at Grim oh, Day, which yeah. is an international rescue conference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. And uh, I'm sure like Adam, he teaches around the country. I've been fortunate enough to travel around and be a part of some stuff across the country. And it was one of those things where it's like, we just need to find a way to try and bring this here. And that was the way that we thought we could do it for people that aren't able to travel, people who want to do it for uh, the job side of it, but might not be able to financially do it. They've mm -hmm. got like young kids, just all that kind of stuff. It's like, let's find a way to do it here. And then the idea behind doing it in May uh, was of the Mile High Fire Conference happens in Denver every year in October. And uh, the idea is every six months with, you know, in a four-hour driving distance, you can either hit up Mile High or you can hit up the High Plains Conference and get some high-quality training and uh, just have an opportunity to get out and do those things, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's that's crazy. Um, were you guys nervous like when you pulled the trigger and you're like, all right, we're going to do this. You set the date for your first conference. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes along with conferences, <laughs> like logistics, yeah. got to get the instructors, got to get a facility. All right. What are we going to do about food? So like for, for those, cause you know, there's probably somebody out there that's like, you know, I want to do something for my, for my area or where, you know, wherever they reside. So what advice would you give to that individual? Because like I said, it's not as easy as people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that uh, it's more work than you believe, just like you're saying, right? Like every, every time 
like something comes up, obviously you got to work through all that. There's way more planning goes into, I mean, it's just trying to just set everything up with just the instructors to coordinate their flights coming in and making sure that everybody has like enough hotel rooms and that like all the logistics that go into it, like it, we really start to ramp up around like the first part of March. And a lot of it happens for us when the weather and the, you know, the snow and the wind stop blowing out here when we can start doing build out. But, you know, last year we built a roof prop for the irons and ladders, vertical vent class. And the day, like two days before the conference, we were on it shingling it because of the snow and the weather. Like we were, it was like kind of a, a real last minute thing, but you know, a lot of people come up and they're saying, Hey, we got an idea for your fire conference for next year. It's like, Oh, what is it? We'd like to hear it, you know, and they'll, they'll give it to us. And it's like, Hey, that's great. Uh, do you want to, do you want to facilitate that? Or do you want to like be that lead for that, or that part of it? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't have time. And they're like, that's why we don't do it. <laughs> exactly. You know, so for every idea that you have for your fire conference, you need somebody who can manage and facilitate that. And like one of the things for us was, is we wanted to put it on out here so that the local people or the local like uh, firefighters that wanted to attend that conference have the ability to do that. I could easily make some phone calls right now and, you know, get my hands on six more guys. I think that could be like, Hey, do you want to help next year? And they would help. But at the same time, like you're trying to put it on so that your area in the region that you're in grows. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like a balance of the whole thing of like, what do we need to pull this thing off so everybody else can take this class and be a part of the conference and uh, and kind of go from there versus just working in a logistics role. But yeah, it's, uh, it seems on paper like it won't be that big of a deal. And then you right. start working through all of it and it, it adds up pretty quick. And then um, depending on how you choose to do it, you know, there can be times where funding can be a challenge to pull the whole thing off. So uh having all that squared away in the beginning, like, and we're, I'll tell you this, like we, I just actually left a, a small meeting for the, for the conference for next year. And uh, like, we're, we're still like, we'll be four years into it. Mm-hmm. And we're still working through things where it's like, Hey, we, we got to get better at this. We got to get better at that. Like this wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. And it's a, like kind of like a live document. It's an ever evolving process for sure. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. That's great. And I'm sure like, you you have I don't want to say like sponsors, but you have good relations where let's just say you have a class where you, you're going to need air packs. You can reach out to a local vendor and go, hey, can we get a couple yeah. air packs? Because I mean that's big. Like you need certain things. You need hose. You need nozzles. You'll need air packs depending on the, the type of class that you're putting on. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> and one of those things is like if you're doing demo equipment in your departments or you're working through some of that stuff, like get information from those vendors like i'll throw i'll throw some out there i know i'm gonna miss some so like this is nothing against like hey these people like i'll just throw some stuff out right. there like uh chris chambers and ken bush at sure sales every year for our fire conference they've given us air packs like hey how many do you guys need sure sales takes care of our air packs uh you know like steve gamboa and the guys at key hose we've called them up before hey we need a hose and they're, they're sending it out to us uh all of the you know brian scott uh, Chris Martin, Jerry Herbst at Elkhart Brass. We're working through with Bill Krause and those guys at Sea Western. Like we've we've been able to establish vendors that are able to help us out with it. Because if you don't work in a big organization, you don't have a lot of extra stuff. Exactly. It's gonna be really hard to pull that off. And you know, like one of the things to think about on the logistics side of it is, if you're gonna try and pull off a conference, use the instructors that you're bringing in as a resource. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll tell you, here's a funny story. 
So I get the, this year we did the refined by fire forcible entry class. And uh, with Brothers in Battle, I got a hold of Cody. I said, hey, can you send us like your proposal and all that kind of stuff? Proposal comes in and I'm like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, this, this this seems low. It says one by twos at eight foot long, 32 of them. I'm like that just doesn't seem. So I like do the math, you know, divide it out by 12. That doesn't, doesn't seem like a lot of one by twos to do a two day hot class on the entire thing. Like, you know, long story short, I read it wrong. It was 32 bundles of one by twos. Okay. So that's one of those things where it's like, when you're, when you're working through the entire thing, use your instructor. Hey, how many bottles do you anticipate to go through? We got 40 students in the class. Turns out we need 120 bottles to facilitate the class and an air trailer to fill them because Mm -hmm. the student's going to go through two or three bottles in the AM and the PM. So you're doing the math on everything. And again, it just comes back to all that, right? Like, okay, so now I've got a site guy for this class. But now I need somebody that can fill bottles at this class. And you can use you can chew up resources pretty quick. But uh, from a logistics standpoint, like talk to the instructors that you want to bring in. They teach all over the country and they have an idea of what it is. Uh, the last thing you want to do is like, for an example, you want, don't want to try and pull off a class that needs air packs. And everyone shows up and they're like, hey, sorry, we didn't get air packs like we thought we were going to do. You exactly. know, so right. uh, it takes a lot. If you were, I would tell you, if you were going to if you were going to look into start a fire conference, it's probably going to take about a year of planning to get it all squared away and phone calls and talking to other people that work through it and everything like that versus like, Hey, I think we can do this in like two months, like maybe a lecture series, but there's a lot of stuff that can go into hot classes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Good advice for those that are listening that are have potentially thought about, Hey, I might want to do this. You just heard it from the man himself on how long it takes to prepare and you got to have all your resources in line, check boxes in a row to get this done. Um, do you want to do another a quick plug of when your next one is coming up in case there's somebody who listens that's close to your area that's never been? Yeah, so uh, right now we're still working through all of the finalization, everything. We're trying to look and see like what local events might be going on as, you know, we're a smaller city. Uh, and so as a result of that, like hotel rooms and everything like that. But the idea for us next year will be let me get to the calendar make sure i don't say anything wrong here that's perfectly fine I gotta so potentially uh may 17th and 18th 19th sorry may 17th 18th and 19th or may 24th 25th 26th the big thing with that is is memorial days on the 27th so we're trying to like weigh everything out on it but uh it'll take place in casper wyoming uh, you can fly right into Casper if it's not driving distance from you. Uh, sometimes the flights into Casper can be a little expensive. So if you're kind of wondering about it, you can always fly into Denver. Denver International Airport from us is about a three and a half hour drive. And as long as you get on the right road, you can't miss us. It's the same way as I-25 all the way up. So as long as you can find I-25, you can find Casper. All right. Awesome. So you guys heard it. Uh, He gave the dates or the two potential dates and they'll have it narrowed down by the time I'm sure it's approaching. Uh, My next question for you is what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving this job? So I'll I'll start by saying when uh, I always enjoyed the job, right. And I still to this day, like enjoyed, enjoyed what we do and everything like that. But I will say what really kind of took me, to the next, what took me out of the shell that I was in and kind of put me in the next spot of it was the very first time that I'd left and went to an outside training. 
And uh, that kind of goes back. There was a group of four of us. We ended up going to Denver, the, the Denver area. I think we we're actually in Arvada specifically. Uh, but we went down to a nozzle forward class probably six or seven years ago now. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where when you say like we personally invested in the job and continue to love it. Or once I got down there, like we were just excited to go to something kind of outside of it. And if you've been to Aaron's class before, you know, after the first lecture portion of it, when he does the deep dive into fire behavior and water application, all that kind of stuff. I remember walking out, going to lunch. I'm like, I don't think I know shit about any of this, right? Like <laughs> I thought I had an idea, but the grand scheme of things, man, like I don't have a damn clue about some of these things. Right. And so, through that, it just kind of opened up the door for me as far as being like, all right, I need to go find some more things. And then, you know, the Mile High Conference came up, mm -hmm. uh, ended up in the Brothers in Battle, VES, Beyond the Door class. Like, I, I feel like uh, the first two between Nozzle Ford and that, like uh, through the selection process, I kind of hit grand slams of getting, you know, a, a, do a dose of the, uh, the juice, if you will. And um, from there, it was just like, and. I felt like I needed to continue to kind of leave the environment I was in to kind of see the outside world side of things and just kind of get outside of the small world of the fire service that I knew, right. see the bigger side of stuff. And more than anything, like, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily through actual fires and stuff here. Hadn't been challenged a lot, hadn't gone to a lot of fires uh, early in my career. And like the, like the truth of it is, I was like, man, when I get outside of some of this stuff, like I suck more than I suck already you know what i mean <laughs> and so kind of one of those things where it was like i needed to keep pursuing some stuff because just in those two classes it was an educational level and a training level the point where i hadn't had that yet in my career mm -hmm. and once you kind of like got a little bit of it it was like oh man like this is i don't know if you want to i mean some people may say it's like a sickness to just travel the country and go to fire but it's like like i need i wanted more of it you know right right and so then in a process, you know, through some stuff here at work and everything like that, like it initially started like at the, when I was a firefighter and I was riding the back step at the firefighter level, it was a desire for me that I, to never really be the weak link on some stuff. And I, you know, I remember times where, um, I'd be out back throwing some ladders and just working on some stuff that hadn't gone very well, whether it was a training or something like that previously. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember a company officer asking me one time, he's like, Hey, why is it that you're out here like doing these things? Like, you know, you, you know how to throw a ladder, like da da da. And uh, I just said, I go, man, I just, if, if we go to a fire someday where, uh, you know, the difference in us making a rescue was 10 seconds faster throwing a ladder, or, you know, five seconds faster getting masked up or all those sorts of things. Like, I don't want it to be because I wasn't the person that couldn't get the ladder to the window. I wasn't the person that couldn't get the door open. I wasn't the person, you know, that can make the stretch. Cause at that time in the back seat, like that was my responsibility. That was my job of everything, you know? And so it really started, like I said, to, you know, that desire to never be the weakest link uh, across that. And then mm -hmm. it just kind of continued on from there of like making traveling, going places, like acquiring new skills that, you know, I hadn't seen before, hadn't been taught before. And one thing I think that's important to note is like, you can go a lot of, you know, you can go to a lot of fire conference, but in one weekend, just cause you go practice, it doesn't mean like you're an expert in it, right? Like you got to go back, you got to test it, um, work on it, everything like that. Like you're going to get some things out there that, you know, you come back and work on. You're like, man, that really worked for me. And I'm faster at masking up now for that, or I'm faster at throwing a ladder now for that, or I'm faster at forcing a door 
because of all that. But there might be some things out there where it's like, yeah, it worked and you go back and work on it. You got to kind of adapt it to how it works for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like on the, you know, like kind of the staying positive and continuing to load the job where it was just that personal investment at the time. And now that I've moved into a position where uh, kind of the engineer spot, but at the same time, you know, when the captain's gone, you got to act up to the acting seat. It's more turned into like a crew investment side of things of like, Hey, what's some things that we suck at that we can go work on today. And guys are like, ah, oh, you know, we had this, you know, bed run the other day, we ended up forcing the door. Um, the door force didn't go very well. It's like, sweet, let's go work on the door. So if we go to fire tonight, like the door force on the fire doesn't suck as well. And so like, when you talk about like kind of staying positive and continuing to love the job, I think more than anything is like, you have your circle of influence and, and who you can have an impact on. And sometimes as a firefighter, like that's you, like you can influence yourself, right? Like you're new to the crew. Like you're not going to have a big impact across the crew on some things, but if you just worry about yourself and you can kind of take your game to a higher level, or you can bring yourself to another level, like it, it'll indirectly want to take the crew to a higher level because nobody wants to be the weakest link, right? Like nobody wants right. to look bad. And so it's like, man, if we don't get out there and start doing some stuff with this guy, like we're going to inevitably like be slower than him or some and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from that and then um, on top of it, just like the stay in pause, like there's going to be times when it's going to be tough. Like things might not be going hundred percent, but when you're able to go out there and you're able to just get away from it, whether it's go for some doors, go for or uh, throw some ladders, stretch some lines, Go talk to the boss, be like, hey, can we just go do something? Like, can we go do some coupling drops at an apartment building? Can we go work on some center hall stretches that are longer than our longest pre-connected? Can you work through it? Uh, you're able to stay positive because I feel like when you come back, you felt like you've accomplished something throughout the day. You're like, man, if we go to this fire today, I wasn't 100% prepared for it, but I feel more prepared now. So when we show up, it's not like, hey, what are we going to do when we get here? You know, like we don't have a 300 foot line. How are we going to make this thing 300 feet? And this conversations happen and take place. And you, it, it gives off like a positive vibe because you feel like you're prepared to go do it. Well said for sure. Um, I have no complaints there. Um, whether it's short-term or long-term, what are your ultimate goals? So it goes along with the fire conference. It goes along with, you know, when I started traveling and going to places and trying to bring things back or whatever, just having an impact in like this corner of the fire service, right? We're in Wyoming. We're kind of isolated from some stuff. Uh, so the ultimate goal is just to be able to try and in, or I don't want to say like influence, but have an impact here to try and make our fire department mm-hmm. better for the community. Right. Right now at the department, we're working through some stuff. We've got a new chief. He wants to work towards some uh, different things. And so it's it's kind of like, um, I don't want to say like playing out per se, but it's, it's a good opportunity right now um, to have an impact in what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to become a better fire service. We're trying to be a better fire department. Um, and so, well, the one thing I would say with that, though, is if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm kind of newer or you're kind of unsure about the whole thing is like, just don't wait. And the reason why I say that, like, don't wait is like, everybody can offer something to the table, but, but come forward with it, bring it forward. See if you can make an impact where you're at. See if you can help, whether it starts out, like you might just be able to help the guy who's on the seniority list right below you. 
Right. Right. You might be in a position where you're a driver and you're on a, a fire alarm or you're on a run or you're on some kind of deal and you just grab the firefighter who just got approved to like start driving when you're gone and just ask him some of these things like, hey, what is it? If, if you were driving and you were going to fire right here, how would you spot on this house? How would you do this? How would you do that? Right. The other thing, too, I would tell you on don't wait is like um, you never know what can happen around here. And what I mean by that is it's like if you wait and you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait till I have like 10 years on the job. or I'm going to wait till I got like 12 years on the job or something like that. I mean, God forbid anybody like got hurt or something like that. Like just don't you, you never really know. Right. So if you want to have an impact on the fire service and you want to try and work your way towards making your department better, your crew better, yourself better, everything like that, like. Don't keep waiting, right? Like you can, you can go into work tomorrow, all right? And you can be like, hey, I'm going to be better at this and this one thing. And that day, like it can start right there, right? And you can start working towards the goals that you're talking to. Then on top of that, as far as like ultimate goals from there, like I'm a, a believe in trying to just, you want to make everybody who's around you better, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm the driver on the crew and I'm gone for the day, and the firefighter gets moved to the driver's seat and they go to the worst fire of their career, like he's in my seat. I want to make sure that I've done what I can do to prepare him for that. So when he goes to that fire, it's not like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I feel like that's my responsibility to make him a better relief driver. That's that's just what we call him on our system. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And to make him squirt away. So when he's when I'm gone, he's not like, man, I wish I'd have known this. And I same thing, right? When we get to that, uh, when you're moved over, you're in that camp, uh, that captain seat, lieutenant seat, company officer seat, whatever you guys call it, right? Having that influence and that impact on your crew. So when you're gone, like things continue to flow the same and you're able to make, you know, all of the stuff that you've trained on. Everybody's fluent in every position. They're ready to rock and roll from get there. You know, and like uh, I, I'll quote, uh, Chief Kurt Isaacson, you know, he says, just get one more person to love the job like you do. You know, as far as like ultimate goals, like I get it. There's going to be some people out there who they don't, they're not going to eat, sleep and breathe the fire service 365 days out of the year. And I, right. I understand that. Like that was something initially for me, maybe a little bit harder uh, to kind of wrap my head around after I did some things and come back and guys are like, ah, you know, like that's kind of dumb. I'm like, what do you mean? It's better. Yeah. But you know, that's not how we want to do it or blah, blah, blah. It was initially kind of hard for me to do that. But one of the things I've tried to get better at personally for myself is that you don't have to want to be into the job the entire time. But like when I'm acting captain, the one thing I do ask them is I'll say, Hey, the one thing is like for 48 hours, I want you invested right here. If this is what we're going to do. Okay. I think you're going to come out throughout the 48 hours and everything like that. You know, you might get a phone call, like something comes up, you're upset about the entire thing. But when we go out the door, like we're the best that we can be for that run that we're going out the door. And if not, we're going to work through it. And we're going to, you know, we're obviously going to take care of the problem and stuff like that. So when you talk about ultimate goals and everything like that, I know that some, like everyone's not going to just love the job 100% on their 96. They're going to want to have their days off. But at the same time, when we're there, like we're invested together as a crew, we're working towards the common goals of the things that we want to get better at. And at the same time, we're having that positive impact that, you know, when the battalion chief pulls up and he's like, hey, we need someone that can open this Charlie's side door. And that's a tough commercial door. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll give it to we'll give it to engine three or we'll give them to that. You know, and like just yesterday we were out, got an acquired building 
and we were out. I was like, Hey, you guys done window to door conversion cuts? They're like, no, I'm like, load up. Let's go over. Like, let's add that to our repertoire. You know what I mean? So it's like, let's go over window to door conversion cuts. So if we get that personnel hoarder house or we get that large obese patient, we're having problems with it. Like we can just cut this door, pull them out. And so the ultimate goal for me is just, like I said, to make people around me better, have that impact in the fire service around here. And just trying to get us to another level of when, like I said, when you travel around and you see the level that some of these fire departments are at, how aggressive they are with search. Um, you know, there's fire departments out there now putting timestamps to their search based on the firefighter rescue survey. It's like, hey, how do we implement that where we're at to where we're going to say like eight minutes or less, we're going to have a primary done in every single single family dwelling that we go to because the data supports this or all that kind of stuff. And so for me, that's kind of like the ultimate goal from there. Uh, some people ask about like rank stuff and everything like that. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, maybe someday I'll want to take the the captain's test and uh, and go from there. But I got no desire to leave the rig. I'll tell you that. If I, if I go to captain, that's it. That's <laughs> to be the highest you go. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So things can no. change and everything like that. But if right. you ask me today, yeah, no, no, no chief's test in the future for ultimate goals. All right. All right, cool. I mean, like uh, my wife always says, you know, never say never, but I get it. Like you, some people, they just want to, if they get to the rank of captain, that's cool, but they forever want to remain and retire coming off the truck. So no, yeah. uh, I have no issues with that at all. Yeah. I think we'll get into it a little bit. I think the only time I would, I think the only time I'd have interest in leaving the rig would be go to some kind of like a training gig, but even okay. then that's kind of tough. Right, right. I need a take-home vehicle for one and B, permission to go every fire in the city. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your opinion, what key elements or factors are needed to make a good firefighter? Like in order to have a, in order to be a good firefighter, what should that individual possess? So I think there's a lot of like individual characteristics that can go into it. But the one thing that I'll like touch on and kind of like mm -hmm. expand the most on is, yeah, um, I, th I think you have to have the ability to take ownership of yourself. And so what I mean by that is, is um, I think there's probably been a time where everybody has been sitting in a room, whether it was an after action review, you're sitting on the front bumper after a run or kind of something like that. And you've thought to yourself, you're like, man, that, you know, like that, that should have been better. I should have been better about this, or I should have been better about that and everything. And people are like, Hey, does uh, did anybody have anything? And you're like, I feel like I should speak up, but this is like a really uncomfortable time. Like if I tell people like, Hey, you know, like I didn't, I didn't do this very well. Like anybody see me drop the ladder on the Charlie side? And they're like, no, um, it can be easy to hide that stuff. Right. Cause people aren't going to see everything that goes on the fire ground. But one of the things that I think makes it a good firefighter is if you're able to take ownership of that stuff and you're able to come back and identify when you get to the firehouse, the things that you didn't do well, that gives you the avenue now of how you can now go train on some stuff or, you know, you have the afternoon off and the captain's like, hey, what do we want to do today? Oh, I'd like to go throw some ladders. Oh, okay. You know. Uh, why do you want to go throw ladders? Well, nobody really saw it, but hey, on that last incident, like we dropped a ladder on the trolley side, and I don't, I don't want that anymore, right? If all we do is we're just like, oh, nobody saw it, like we could just kind of brush that underneath the rug, like we don't have to worry about it, like that doesn't make us better. And when you take ownership of something for other people, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we can go throw ladders today, because you know, because you dropped one, we'll go throw ladders. But at the same time, the crew's gonna go do that. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. as a result of that, you're making everybody on the crew is getting another rep. They're getting another opportunity to throw that ladder. So there might be somebody out there, like just by you stepping up, saying like, hey, maybe the maybe the ladder throw went pretty well. Like you didn't drop it or whatever, but at the same time, you're like, I didn't feel real fluent with that. Like I didn't have any problems with it, but it didn't feel good. It didn't feel smooth. Like I didn't really like it because you want to take ownership of that whole thing, right? And the captain's like, yeah, we'll get out and we'll throw some ladders on some stuff. Now that you might have the guy on the crew that maybe he's not as good at throwing a ladder. Sure. You know, he, he you know, he might be the guy that's like, I don't want to say anything because like I'm the new guy. And but he's about to go get more reps, right? So indirectly, you're building that crew, right? And we kind of talk about like how you can lead or, you know, continue to love the job and like stay positive. Like that's a way right there. Like it's okay to put yourself out there, you know, like when we go to like when we catch fires and stuff like that, when we come back to the station, I like to ask guys, I'm like, Hey, what did, like, what did you suck at at that fire? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, give me something you sucked at. Uh, you know, I kind of like, I sucked at this. Like, I'll give you an example. Like my body mechanics, like my positioning when I was moving on that search wasn't very good. I got a search done, but I felt like, like I wasn't very good in the tripoding position and stuff like that. Like it, it just wasn't very efficient. All right, sweet. Hey, how about tomorrow when we do this workout? we'll put like a 20 foot or a 25 foot tripod movement into it. And we'll all get, you know, out of five rounds, we're all going to get five 25 foot movements where we're going to do this entire thing. And then it's like, you don't want to like single anybody out. Right. Well, it's like, Hey, if you're like, like I'm going to take the opportunity to say, Hey, if that's what you were that you felt you sucked at, this is what I sucked at. So let's just continue right. to work through these things. Right? right. And then it's like, Hey, what do you guys want to do today? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. We can just like sit in the chairs. Like it, it totally kills all that takes the whole thing away. Um, because now we have things we want to work on. We have things we want to go do in a perfect world. Right. We've identified some of those things through our training ahead of time. And we don't have to identify that we had a major problem like on an incident. But at the same time, like you can go to an incident right now and it's like, hey, I've been working on my mask up skills. And you get to the front door and like, bam, mask up was great, right? Like 15 seconds, like I had no problems at all with that. But at the same time, you're like, man, I've been working so much on my mask up that my stretch to the front door wasn't very good. So when you get back from that fire and you're like, hey, how'd everything go? Hey, my stretch wasn't very good. Can we start working on stretches? Yep. And everybody the next morning, you know, everybody on the cruise, three stretches per person. And then it's like, hey, what did you suck at? Well, I sucked at that. Okay, sounds good. Like we're we're not so far along. And like, I, I'm just going to speak for like myself. Like I'm not so far developed or so good at something that if somebody else recognizes a weakness for them, that I don't need reps doing that either. Where it's like, oh, you want to work on this? Yeah, great. That's fine. That'd be perfect because I could use some more reps working on it. And just continue to progress through it. But if we don't have ownership of that and people aren't willing to step up and say, hey, I made this mistake or I wish I'd have done better at this or, you know, this stretch didn't go very well, whatever the case with it is. What do we use as a premise to build off it? Then we just kind of get back into that checkbox training where it's like, well, we got to do this stuff because this is the minimum that the train division has sent out. So we got to take care of the entire thing. You know, Um, if you don't come up with training, they'll give you training. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then it's like well you know this training sucks it's like well then just find something and come up with it and progress through it and work on it um so i think just the ownership side of that and then along with that that goes into it i think it kind of ties into ownership but the the ability and the desire to want to go be better at those things right where it's like you can say like hey uh i wasn't very good at this and that's taking ownership up but ownership up but are you 
are you being the professional that it's like, yeah, I'm not only going to recognize it, but now I'm going to progress and work through it. And I think what's kind of interesting when some of that stuff comes down is, you know, you might, I'm going to just throw masking up out there, for example, you might be having problems with like masking up and you're standing there and like the crew's watching you and like everyone's taking turns and someone comes up and they're like, Hey, do you know that? Like, uh, this is like the problem with it is like, you're missing your bottom strap. What would happen if you like folded that over a couple of times? Cause you're not totally loosening. And now you have this big piece to grab of tape instead mm -hmm. of this super small piece. And you're like, oh, okay. And through that, when you do that, like as a crew, right? Like you start to work with each other, you know, Aaron field says work solves everything. So you start to progress and work through those things where now I'm helping that guy next to me try and mask up and he's giving me feedback on things and we're working through a system together of how we're wanting to do these things. Um, and I just think it, it helps in the development of a crew and you're going to build yourselves together as a crew versus just one person and be like, Oh, I'm going to go do this. Oh, ladders. Yeah. I haven't dropped a ladder yet in my career. I'm not too worried about it. It's like, took you two minutes to get to the Charlie side of the second floor for rescue, you know? Oh yeah. But I got it up. Like, it's fine. Like I'm not worried about it. Um, so yeah, just having that desire and that drive to just continue to progress and want to be better, be that professional that everybody wants when they call 911 to come up to your place, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. You want to be, you want to be that person. Like you just said, if somebody calls 911 to show up and fix the problem, just like if you, God forbid, ever have an issue, you want the best firefighter there coming to solve your problem. So yeah. 100%. Well, here's one for you too, right? Like, nope, like that happens, right? But anybody, nobody wants to go to the fire and be like, hey, you're assigned writ, right? Like, nobody wants to get writ per se, right? Like, uh, I tell like some of the new guys, like, hey, did you, did you sign up to this game to be a practice player? And they're like, well, no, like nobody in the NFL wants to be in the practice squad. Like, they want to play in the game, right? So the other thing too with it is, is if you're out working on these things and you're progressing through it inevitably, all right, the battalion mm -hmm. chief's going to come by and he's going to swing by. And he's like, hey, what are you guys up to? Oh, we're just out throwing ladders, Chief. Like, you know, we're we're working on throws to the third floor of multifamilies where we got a lot of them in our area. Uh, it bangs out the ladder quite a bit. Like, we're just kind of working through some of that stuff. Or we're working on mitigating the porches hanging off the second and third floors above it on this garden level. You're, like, progressing through all those things, working on it, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, what are you guys working on today? Outward swinging doors. Uh, we're doubling up the wood. We want some advanced leverage. We're working through it. There's some commercial doors downtown that are pretty stout. And we kind of did this makeshift drop bar so we can practice, you know, maneuvering a drop bar if we need to. Who do you think is going to get the assignment tonight when you show up to something and the Charlie side door needs forced, right? Or you're going up to something and they're like, hey, we've got somebody on the balcony on the third floor of this center hall apartment building or, you know, whatever the scenario is, right? Like I was, you know, I kind of joke with the BC. I'm like, when you give that assignment, on the radio, like it goes through the back of your head. Who's riding that rig that day, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. that's one of those things where it's like, if you don't want to be a practice player and you're like, Hey man, how come we don't get searches? How come we're not getting the rough assignment? How come we're not getting this? How come we're not getting that? Are you putting the work and effort in? So when the BC comes by that he knows it's going to get done because the BC doesn't want to give it to somebody where it's like, man, I, I hope, hope these guys are capable of it. But when the battalion chief can come by and he sees you stretching lines, he sees you forcing doors, whatever it is that you're into, in the job itself, right? He sees it. That's going to be his go-to guy. That's the guy he wants to give that assignment to, right? So if nothing else, take ownership of that of being like, hey, we want to be the crew that ends up on the roof because we're riding the truck or we're riding this, whatever the case is. So go get good at those things, right? Like 
go practice them. Don't wait for them to come by to be like, Hey, we got to do the, you know, the minimum once a year vertical vent class. We're ready to rock and roll. He comes by every single time. It's like, yeah, it's like the third time I've seen you guys on the roof. Yeah, chief. We're ready to cut. If you need us, like we're ready to rock and roll. And then when you go to the drill, all right, that's your opportunity or your monthly training where you get up on it. And then the chief can see it. He's like, man, that crew's a dial. Like that's my crew that I'm taking or that I'm sending the ripper. That's the crew I'm sending to the Charlie side to force the door. These are the guys I want to be put in the building to search all those sorts of things. So it all kind of like plays on top of itself. I do. I truly believe the more you can do as a single company in preparation for things, the more it puts you into the game uh, when you go to that fire. Cause they see that stuff. Right. No, hundred percent. Correct. And hundred percent dialed in answer. I have nothing else to say about that one. <laughs> um, in your opinion, what do you think the American fire service can improve on one thing? So I'm going to, this might be a little bit of a cop, but I'm going to take it. All right. Uh, okay. I think more than, I think more than anything training, and mm-hmm. I want to be more specific about training. I want to say with skill acquisition focus when it comes to training. All right. So we can say like, hey, we need to be better at searching buildings. We need better at forcing doors. All of the things that we get assigned on incidents, whether it's ropes, um, water rescue, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, when we focus it all back to one thing, it's points to training. But why is the if we're training on this once a year, why is it that we're not getting to another level? Why are we at 20 years on? Why are we doing the same first year 20 times? Why are we not continuing to progress through that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think some of that comes back through how we acquire skills and actually the um, the knowledge of when we give somebody a training, like how much is actually too much and what we build off of it so we can do new things. So when we talk about skill acquisition focus more than anything, one of the things like here that we just started recently was um, we went to one training coordinator per shift. And one of the things that we're trying to do is that our single company trains, when we get together, it's no more than three like quick topics. And the training itself is somewhere around 45 minutes with a 15 minute pickup window. So like, I'll give an example the other day, uh, you know, the training captain's like, Hey, we need to come up with a plan. And we decided that we were going to basically cover uh, pediatric searches. Not that it changes anything, but when you find pediatrics or kids in a building. So the real quick thing with it was, it's like, hey, here's how we move with the kid. All right, covered tripoding, and we covered, you know, from all the way from like a, you know, a child, like a infant, one year or less, all the way up to, you know, like a six or seven year old. We covered that, right? So like, hey, one skill here. This is how you move with a child that's not a, or someone that's um, we're not going to drag like an adult. Then mm-hmm. from there, it's like, how do we find these kids? All right. Oh, we could probably find them in a bunk bed or we could probably find them in a crib. So we practice crib dumps and we practice bunk bed searches. Okay. And that was the entire thing. And so it's like, all right. So now that everybody's got that skill, then we put them in where it's like good visibility, all the above. All we're trying to do is we're just trying to elevate their heart rate a little bit. And we're like, hey, go into this room, BES, want to get a crib dump. We want to get a bed search or sorry, a, a bunk bed search. And then you're going to find kids and we want to make sure that you're leaving in the proper positions of how we want to take these kids out of here. And we're going to just do this as many reps as you guys want. We're only going to keep it to like 45 minutes. 
and just kind of working through everything like that. Then from there, continuing to progress. They have their vision the entire time throughout this, right? They have their vision, so they have the ability. So when they're looking, they're running along their hands, they're trying to fill that crib. They're like, okay, this is what a crib feels like versus just blacking them out. I'm being like, hey, you didn't, you didn't find the crib, okay? And then we just continue to progressively work through it. Um, so one of the things that I find interesting with skill acquisition is when you, I'm going to like, this kind of all circles back, right? Like take an ownership side of things is from there specifically break down the stuff for you that didn't go well. All right. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking about like, I always like, you can, you can break down a mask up in like four to five individual small skill set pieces. Okay. Everything went great on the mask up except for I couldn't get my hood up over my mask. Okay, that's fine, right? So Mm -hmm. now when we talk about skill acquisition from that, now what I want to do is I want to get in that position where I'm ready to pull my hood up and I just want to pick my hood up and I want to take my hood off 20 times, set it back, put my hands on my side, pick it up, put it back on 20 times. I want to get as many quick, or I shouldn't say as many, I want to get reps of that and I want to get quality reps back to back to back with each other. And you start to develop how things want to feel. Then from there, now we're going to continue to progress through. It's like, okay, now I'm going to work on doing a complete mask up and see if that's an easier thing that I have. And it's so, I'll give you an interesting thing that I, I, at least I found interesting. So I got asked, Hey, do you want to do some stuff with the Academy? I said, yeah. So we go down to the Academy and uh, we're down there. And at the time they were able, it was called like, I think they called it a bank. But what they could do is if they like, you know, they made a mistake, the instructors were like, hey, 15 pushups in the bank or 15 burpees, whatever it was that week, they picked like one movement for the week. And uh, they could bet throughout the week. If they had like, let's say they had 30 in the bank, they say, hey, we'll bet you guys 30 pushups in the bank that we can get all of our gear on in sub one minute. And the instructors would get together and they'd be like, yeah, we'll take, we'll take that bet or like, eh, you like, that's a pretty generous, like you, you guys can all have your gear on in two minutes and 30 seconds. Like, no, we're going to drop the time down and they would work through that. So the first day we were down there, they were wanting to do some bank stuff. They were wanting to make some bets. And, uh, so from morning, I was down there for two days, morning two, we were kind of sitting upstairs. We, it was a, a little bit lighter day on their PT side of things. We were hanging out. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try this in my head. I'm going to try this out. Like, cause I've been working and, you know, listening to some stuff on skill acquisition, stuff outside of the fire service and mm-hmm. along with some stuff within the fire service. So we went down and, uh, I said, Hey, is anybody in here masking or are you know, they completely, uh, all their PPE and their SCBA on in their bunker drills in under one minute. And guys are like, how, oh, you know, like some of the guys are like, we're pretty close, but like nobody's under a minute and blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, so they're standing there by their gear. And I was like, I need to know one thing from each and every one of you that you suck at when you put in your PP. Like what hangs you up right now? That like every time, even if even if it's in your head, you're like, God, I know that that zipper's right there, right? Like I just have to focus on my zipper because I'm so worried about that. And now it automatically flusters us. Mm-hmm. So guys are like, oh, my zipper, uh, this, that. Like I can't get my, my left glove on. I can't do anything with that. So I'm like, all right, just humor me. Get to the point in putting your gear on to where like we're, we're going to use the zipper for the example, put your gear on how you normally would until the point where you're going to zip up your jacket. And then from there, I want you to zip your jacket up and unzip it and just wait. 
zip it up, unzip it. Wait, I want you to zip your coat up 20 times. And every single time you do it, start with your hands at your side. Don't start with your hands on the zipper and on the entire thing, because that's not how your hands aren't positioned there the whole time. Right. And so they did. I'm like, just work through something that you're not good at 20 times. I'm like, okay, is there anything else that hangs you up throughout this process? And some guys are like, hey, this or that. or I'm like, okay, cool. Now I want you to do that again. Okay, sounds good. I'm like, now when we do this, we're going to do three sets of bunker drills. And every time you do it, the, everything that was going through your mind when you were pulling your zipper up or whatever your problem with it is, you just had 20 successes doing it. I want you to be in the same mindset right there. They're like this zipper doesn't jam me up because I just did it 20 times. And I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. So they do it and they're like, Hey, we feel better about uh, our, you know, bunking up and everything like that. I said, do you guys think you can get under one minute across the board? And they were like, we'll give it a shot right now. Like I'm the only instructor there, right? I stay at the Academy. We'll give it a shot right now. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Every person there, sub one minute, ready to rock and roll. So nice. I said to him, I go, Hey, if you guys want to risk it, I was like, cause this was the last day of the Academy. So okay. they were going to, uh, they were going to have to turn in their bank that day. I said, Hey, if you guys want to put the proof in the pudding, I said, when they walk in right away, issue them a challenge Say, Hey, we're pushing our chips all in on the bank. We're going to go sub one minute on our, um, bunker drills. And they were like, now how the Academy works is like one lead person goes and talks to the instructors. And then that lead, they're like the middle person between all the students and the instructors. Right. Okay. So the instructors walk in, they're like, Hey guys, good morning. Like, how's things going? You're like, they're like excited. They finish out the week. And uh, the lead guy's like, hey, instructor so-and-so, we'd like to issue a challenge. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, we're going to put all our gear on, full bunker drill, everybody on air in under one minute. And we're betting the bank. And I'll never forget it. The instructor's like, let's go. Because you guys are about to always twice as me. Because they were like, some dudes are like 120, right? Mm-hmm. So they go in there and like, bam, hit it, nailed it, right? And it worked out. Like, And this isn't like a... It was more of like, I wanted to test this with the newest person on the, de- like they're, even, like right. they're on the department, but they're still in the academy, right? Right. right. And so the idea behind that is, is like getting the ladder off the truck on your shoulder was okay. Carrying the ladder was okay. The problem with it was when you went to throw it off your shoulder, it fell off of your shoulder. So can I take a ladder out back in a very short amount of time and have it on my shoulder and just focus on when I take it off, sticking it in the ground and getting it up? bringing it back to my shoulder and just continue to work through that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Then from there, the progression with it is, is now we have to put ourselves in a position where we're not just at our resting heart rate because we're typically not doing that. That's not the state of mind or the condition that we're in when we're actually having to do whatever this said skill is that we're working through. Right. It's so like one of the things we like to do in the firehouse is uh, we'll do 10 rounds. We'll get on the air bike and all of our gear We'll sprint 10 calories on the air bike and we'll get off and we'll mask it. Or sprint 10 calories on the bike, get off and do something. And it's kind of interesting because like the first 10 cal sprint, you're like, oh, okay, like that was kind of rough. But by about round six or seven, you're really banking on all of that individual skill set stuff that you've worked on because you're really starting to fatigue yourself. If you're really sprinting on that bike, working through it, and you also find like little ways to work through the problem that you're in. And now when we're getting off the rig and we're going to something, I don't know how you are physically, but like my heart rate's jacked when I eight yeah. rounds into a 10 cal bike sprint, right? right? So when I get off, I'm literally banking on the technique and the form that I've established right then and there, because mm-hmm. that's what's gonna carry me through the entire thing. Um, 
And so, like I said, I think I don't want to be like the cop out by saying training, but what I will say specifically about it is skill acquisition focus and breaking it down of how we can learn new things, how we can take something that we're not a hundred percent good at and how we can be better at that and tying that all together. Um, so that we're, uh, so that we're better at, cause guys, you know, like I said, guys can say, well, you know, I want to, like, we should be every fire department should be better at stretching lines. Well, yeah, but we have to train to get towards that. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, there's, we just did it the other day. We had a new guy with us and he was like, I'm like, Hey, what's like, we're working on stretching lines. I'm like, is there anything you're not good at on stretching lines? He's like, yeah, it keeps getting hung up on my pack. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we would build it on the ground, put it on his shoulder and he would literally just dump. 20 lengths or you know 20 hundred foot bundles of hose off of his shoulder working through a system so that it wasn't hung up on his pack you dump it off and it's like hey here's another one pick it right back up and we just progressively work through some of those things to make it happen and i just don't think that we can as an industry we can continue to say like oh we weren't good at that but we'll be better next time right like no professional athlete watches film and was like Oh, we sucked at that, but we're not going to do anything about it until we do it again in the game. Like we're not going to practice that. We're not going to work through all those things. So absolutely. And then on top of that, with some of those things, um, like the fire service seems to be a data driven industry, right? Like when we try and do all the things where we're asking for stuff or, you know, the chiefs are like, Hey, we need data for this. We need data for those things, blah, blah, blah. But, and I'm not talking just specific to here. Like, I don't want this to be like, I'm saying that this is for my fire department. I'm talking just in general, right? But we seem to be pretty selective in the data that we actually want to use, all right? right? The UL, they're like, I'd have to like double check it, right? But the UL is getting like, the first search or the first study they did cost them like $3 million. What fire department out there has $3 million to do an interior versus exterior attack study? But at the same time, is your fire department using the data that was provided to you for free? All you had to do was read the study, right? right? They just finished up the search study at the UL. The firefighter rescue survey, 3,000 documented rescues, is free. Mm-hmm. Are you using all that stuff to improve your fire department to make it better? Or are you just like, eh, that doesn't apply to us or that's not out there, right? So in a data-driven industry where we track all of our calls, we track all these things, we use calls for manning, we use all that kind of stuff, how selective are we about it? Because it's all out there. It's just a matter of going and getting it and, and putting it into play and taking it. So when it, and to tie it back to it, right, your training focuses with skill acquisition. What are the skills on there? Right? It says literally, I'd have to like double check the numbers, like 82% of victim rescues are made from dirty drags. How good are you at dirty dragon? If you're not mm-hmm. very good at it, you're going to miss on the first eight out of 10 you go to. I don't like those odds. <laughs> you right. know, so one of those things where it's like, well, how do we, what do we want to train on? What do we want to do for a skill acquisition? Go read the data. Go look at some of these things that tells you literally, hey, are you, are you good at VESing? Are you good at taking glass and removing a window sash? Because go look at how many people they're taking out of windows or go look at how many times they're VES in a building when it's over 50% involvement in the front half of the structure, right? Are it, Not very many bedrooms, okay, have right. doors to the outside of them. 24 out of 24 hours a day, if I'm reading the data correctly, we're finding people in bedrooms. 
We should be good at removing glass and removing sashes and getting ladders to bedroom windows and getting in and getting searches done. And if we're not, what part of it is holding us up in our skill acquisition focus that isn't allowing us to be able to do that? And not only the time that we need to get it in, but also efficiently so that we're taking care of it to where we're able to do what we said we were going to do. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't really have any other, I mean, I, I, I could definitely say I have used um, firefighter rescue survey. It is a awesome tool. The questions they're not, it's not super hard. I mean, it's pretty much to the point, real easy. Just if you have a rescue, whether, and I'm pretty sure it's whether alive or deceased, put it in, it's recorded, and we use data for everything. And I love how you said certain departments are very selective on the data that they use, even though we use data for our next station is going to be here because our data shows we get a lot of concurrent calls in this area, such and such, yada, yada, forth and forth. So I totally agree with you 100%. Um, Gary, I appreciate having you come on. Um, I know you're super busy. Uh, thank you for taking some time out of your day to, to do this interview with me. Um, the nuggets were said and hopefully anybody listening can take those nuggets back, process it and relate it to your own department. Um, so is there anything else you want to say before we leave? I just want, first of all, thank you. Uh, this is the first one of these I've done. So hopefully you're, uh, your subscribes don't go down from this. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, not going to go down. But uh, no, I just want uh, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we're able to like uh, connect up and make this whole thing happen. And then I just, uh, yeah, just for anybody that's listening, uh, if you're not familiar with the rescue survey, firefighterrescuesurvey.com, go take a look at it. Uh, the latest is about 3,000 documented rescues. If you do make one, you're, you're correct. Whether they're alive or deceased, you can fill out the information and it'll give you live tracking data. Uh, at one point, you could break it down by states. It's been like a little, a couple of weeks since I've been on the website to like take a look at. Sometimes it, it shifts based on the data that's coming in. But there's a ton of information out there that if we really want to dial in and we really want to drop the number of fire fatalities that are going on in the country. I mean, Brian brush hit a grand slam with this. Like he knocked this out of the park. Like this is what's going to get us to be doing this types of stuff, right? Like this is what's going to get that number to be done. I know chief Isaacson says all the time, you know, the goal's under 2000. We got to find a way to get there. I couldn't agree with him more. Um, But if you're unfamiliar with it and search is kind of like a limbo thing in your department, Take a look at that survey. Like it's raw data. You can actually click on every single, you can go to a map at one point. You can click on it. You can view the entire questionnaire. If you're worried about it, uh, you're, you would know that it happened in there, but you know, talk to the rescue survey guys, talk to your chief. Like we should be putting this stuff out there. You know, like how it all originated is we, you know, brush was always talking about, we keep track of how many people we kill. But we don't keep track of how many people we save. Right. Uh, professional sports teams don't only keep track of their losses. They keep right. track of their wins, just like his article says, you know, so if search is something in your department that uh, you're trying to work through, or you're trying to get better at, look at it. There's times associated there's survival rates. There's victim locations. Almost anything you can think of is in there. Uh, it's a very useful tool. And I know for us here through the process we're working through right now uh, through some SOGs, SOPs, that kind of stuff, like, the rescue survey is a driving factor and what we're trying to get dialed in as our fire department, because we want to use that data. Um, 
and utilize it to what it needs to be used for. So yeah, check out the rescue survey again. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Sir. I'm glad we were able to do this. Yep. Yep. Same here. Stay safe. You too. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.